For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, Yeshua, from Genesis to Revelation. This is part nine of the series. At the end of our last session, we looked at how when Yeshua died on the tree, he died the death of a penalty of an adulterous woman. That is because Yeshua at Mount Sinai entered into marriage with his wife or his bride, the house of Jacob. She was unfaithful in those covenant vows that she made at Mount Sinai, and as a result, a According to what the Torah specifies, that she would incur curses that would come upon her for being an adulterous wife. Yeshua, because he is married to his bride, he felt the hurt and the sufferings that came upon her for her unfaithfulness. And he literally experienced the hurt and the pain and the suffering of his adulterous wife when he died on the tree as the things that happened to him as he was being led to the tree and died on the tree were the punishments of an adulterous woman as given in the Torah and the prophets. Now we're going to continue on in this study and see exactly why Yeshua needed to die in order to redeem his adulterous wife. In order to understand this, we need to look at Torah marriage laws. In Deuteronomy, in chapter 24, it says, when a man has taken a wife and married her. Since Psalm chapter 40, verse 7, as is quoted in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 7, says in the volume of the book, it is written of me, referring to Yeshua, that the totality of scripture is written or is spoken of him as Yeshua himself affirmed in Luke chapter 24 verse 27 and verse 44 wherein Yeshua said that the Torah the prophets and the Psalms are written of him we can apply this verse to Yeshua he would be the man that has taken a wife that is the house of Jacob at Mount Sinai and married her and it came to pass that she find no
no favor in his eyes because he has found some uncleanness in her, which he did when she built the golden calf and also when she went after other gods in the promised land and then in the nations of the world. It says then, then let him write her a bill of divorcement and give it in her hand and send her out of his house. What is the house of the God of Israel? It is the land of Israel. And so was she sent out of his house? Was she exiled in the nations of the world? Yes. The northern kingdom was taken captive by the Assyrians and the southern kingdom was taken captive by the Babylonians. Then it says of Deuteronomy 24 verse 2, and when she is departed out of his house, she may go and be another man's wife. Well, in the nations of the world, did the house of Jacob still go after other gods? The answer is yes. Then it says in Deuteronomy chapter 24 and verse 3, and if the latter husband hate her and write her a bill of divorce and give it in her hand and sends her out of his house. Well, when the Assyrians took the northern kingdom captive and the Babylonians took the southern kingdom captive, did the nation of Israel stay in those empires and in those areas? No. Ultimately, she was disliked and she had to go from country to country. And then it says, or if her latter husband died. Well, do we have the same and existing Assyrian empire in the world today that took the northern kingdom captive? No. Do we have the same existing Babylonian empire that took the southern kingdom captive? Or did their power or their influence in the world, did it die? Did it wane out? It died out. Then it says, if that is the condition, Deuteronomy 24 verse 4, then her former husband, in this case, Yahweh Yeshua, which sent her away, may not take her again to be his wife after she is defiled, for that is an abomination before the Lord. Therefore, what is stated here in Torah marriage laws in Deuteronomy chapter 24 verses 1 through 4, that if there is an original marriage and the husband of the original marriage gives a divorce to his wife, and then if she goes and marries a second husband, that she cannot come back to him and marry the original husband. In our application here, the first husband speaks of Yeshua, the bridegroom at Mount Sinai, and his wife, the house of Jacob, went after other gods and married them. And according to Torah marriage laws, that she cannot return to her original husband, which would be Yeshua. So through the prophet Jeremiah, in Jeremiah in chapter 3 and verse 1, Yeshua asks his wife the following question. If a man puts away his wife and she go from him and become another man's, shall he return to her again? According to Deuteronomy chapter 24 verses 1 through 4, the answer is no. Shall not the land be greatly polluted? The answer is yes. It is an abomination. So in reminding her of the situation that she is in, that since she went and went after other gods, that it's an abomination for her to return to her original husband. He then goes on to say, yet return unto me. How can this be? How can the nation of Israel, the house of Jacob, the bride of Messiah, return to him and he not violate 
violate his own Torah, given that he is the lawgiver? Well, the answer is that the lawgiver, the bridegroom, Yeshua, is in a situation that the only way that he can redeem his adulterous wife who went after other gods and who was exiled or divorced in the nations of the world and not violate his own Torah is to die. And the reason is, is that death severs the obligation of the original vows that are made when you are married. Now, Paul understood that Yeshua was in a marriage relationship with the house of Jacob at Mount Sinai because this is what he is explaining in Romans in chapter 7 and verses 1 through 4 as it is written. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to those that know the law. Well, if we read the verses here, he is actually speaking about Torah marriage law, how that the law or Torah marriage law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. For the woman which has a husband is bound by marriage law to her husband or the vows that they made to each other so long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she is loosed from the marriage vows that she made to him. However, if while her husband is still living, if she marries another man, she's called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she's free from the original vows they made between each other so that she wouldn't be an adulteress after he dies, though after he dies, she would be married to another man. So he reminds those in Rome about Torah marriage laws, and then he's going to be relating this to Messiah and those who believe on him. Romans chapter 7 verse 4, Wherefore, my brethren, you also are dead to the law by the body of Messiah, that you should be married to another, even to him who was raised from the dead. You see, because those in traditional Christianity haven't seen Yeshua in the Torah, didn't know that he's the lawgiver, didn't know that he's the bridegroom and didn't know that his wife committed adultery against him and that's why he needs to die on the tree and in dying on the tree he's going to establish a new covenant of which she can approach and be a part of if she will repent of her sins. They've read Romans chapter 7 verse 4 where it says dead to the law and interpreted that you're not to follow the Torah anymore. But what Paul is explaining is that what you're dead to was the penalty that was the result of the original vows that was made at Mount Sinai between Yeshua the bridegroom and his wife the house of Jacob of which we are to identify with if we are believers in Yeshua as the Messiah as Paul explained in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 1 through 4 that we are not to be ignorant that we came out of Egypt. And if we came out of Egypt, then we were at Mount Sinai and we entered into those vows because the vows at Mount Sinai was made, Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 15, with those who were there and also those who were not there. So therefore, because of the vows that we made to Yeshua at Mount Sinai in breaking the covenant, we then, according to the letter of the law, that we deserve death. But because
because Yeshua came and he died on the tree, the penalty of those original vows is no longer upon us if we will repent of our sins. And in repenting of our sins, we forsake that former life, receive the forgiveness of of our sins that Yeshua offers, have our sins be forgiven, enter into the new covenant. And when we repent of our sins, in effect, the bride at Mount Sinai, she dies. She's dying to the stony heart. She's dying to the flesh so that in repentance, she becomes a resurrected bride. The marriage that Yeshua enters into in the new covenant through his blood is a marriage between him, a resurrected bridegroom, and all those who would receive him and they would have to repent of their sins first and they would be his resurrected bride. So the new covenant is a marriage between a resurrected bridegroom and a resurrected bride. So in looking at what Yeshua did when he died on the tree, Yeshua laid down his life to redeem an adulterous wife who he married at Mount Sinai and who pledged to keep his commandments. Instead of being a faithful wife and keeping his commandments, she worshiped other gods. Rather than seeing her die according to the letter of the law, Messiah chose to show abundant mercy toward her by shedding his blood on the tree to forgive her of her sins. In doing so, Messiah demonstrated to his adulterous wife his incomprehensible love for her as well as his love for the entire world because Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Yeshua will dwell with his resurrected or redeemed bride who he's in new covenant relationship with during the messianic era and she will ultimately spend eternity with him in the new heavens and the new earth or in the heavenly Jerusalem as we're told in Revelation in chapter 21. In Isaiah in chapter 1 and verse 18 it says come now and let us reason together says the Lord though your sins be a scarlet or in other words though they be associated with marital unfaithfulness adultery or whoredom they shall be as white as snow which represent virginity that through the blood of Yeshua the adulteries or the whoredom can be forgiven and he will give you a new status in him and that is of a virgin daughter Romans in chapter 6 verse 23 says for the wages of sin is death and as a result of breaking the covenant at Mount Sinai according to the letter of the law his wife the house of Jacob deserved death but Yeshua chose to judge his adulterous wife according to the spirit of the law and not the letter of the law wherein if she would repent he would receive her repentance forgive her of her sins and when you repent of your sins it says in Romans chapter 6 verse 11 that you are to regard yourselves as being dead to sin dead to the flesh in being alive or resurrected in Yeshua the Messiah therefore the repentance of your sin is a death to the flesh or the death to self and it's being raised in newness of life unto Yeshua through the help and the inspiration of the indwelling 
Holy Spirit. Therefore, in the new covenant, the marriage is between a resurrected bridegroom and a repentant bride who dies to self and who is resurrected. When the exiles of Israel are gathered from the nations of the world, they are brought to Mount Zion. And in gathering the exiles of Israel from the nations of the earth where they have been scattered, this also is likened unto a marriage that takes place at Mount Zion. Jeremiah in chapter 3 and verse 14 it is written, Turn, O backsliding children, says the Lord, for I am married unto you and I will bring you to Zion. Mount Zion is the city of the bride. Hebrews in chapter 12 and verse 22 it is written, But you've come unto Mount Zion. Revelation chapter 21, the end of verse 9, it is written, Come, and I will show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. And in verse 10, it says, He carried me away in the Spirit to a great and a high mountain. What is that great and high mountain? It is Mount Zion. And He showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem. The covenant at Mount Sinai was broken. And not only did it result in the punishment of an adulterous bride, the house of Jacob, but that punishment entailed exile into the nations of the world. Leviticus in chapter 26 and verse 14, it is written, if you will not hearken unto me and will not do all my commandments, Leviticus 26 verse 33, I will scatter you among the heathen. The one then that gathers the exiles of Israel is the one who scattered them. Who's the one that scattered them? It is the one that gave the Torah at Mount Sinai. It is the bridegroom at Mount Sinai. It is the Messiah. We can see how it is the role of the Messiah to gather the exiles of Israel from Jeremiah in chapter 23 and verse 3. As it is written, I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them. This is talk about gathering the exiles of Israel. Then it says in verse 5 of Jeremiah 23, Behold, the days come, says the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king will reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. Who is this king that it's speaking about? It's speaking about the Messiah. And then it says in Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 6, In his days, that is, in the days of the Messiah, Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell safely. Dwell safely from whom? Dwell safely from their enemies. And when did their enemies rule and reign over them? While they were in exile. So when are they going to dwell safely from their enemies? In messianic times. And who is going to bring the exiles of Israel to messianic times? It is the Messiah. And when he does this, it is likened unto a marriage. Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 10 says, Hear the word of the Lord, O you nations, and declare it in the isles afar off and say, He that scattered Israel, who scattered Israel? The lawgiver, the bridegroom at Mount Sinai. He that scattered Israel will gather him. Who's going to gather the exiles of Israel? It is the Messiah, who is also the lawgiver, who is also the bridegroom. In the book, the Midrash Rabbah, volume 2, page 957, the Midrash Rabbah is an Orthodox Jewish 
Jewish commentary on the Bible. It says, what purpose will the royal Messiah come or the King Messiah? And what will he do? He will come to assemble the exiles of Israel. In the book, I Await His Coming Every Day, written by Rebbe Menachem Schneerson on page 18. Here, he is quoting or making a reference from Mishnah Torah as compiled and put together by Moses Maimonides. Moses Maimonides was a rabbi of the Middle Ages and he took Jewish law and categorized it by different subjects and brought the law regarding those subjects together in one document. The name of this document is known as Mishnah Torah. If you actually get Mishnah Torah today, it's in about 27 volumes. And one of the subjects is the laws of the kings because the Messiah is a king of Israel within the laws of the kings in Mishnah Torah. In chapter 11 of the laws of the kings is what Rabbi Schneerson is making a reference to here on page 18 of his book, I Await His Coming Every Day. And in quoting Maimonides and Mishnah Torah and the laws of the kings, he says, if a king will arise from the house of David and if he does various tasks, including gathering the exiles of Israel, he is definitely the Messiah. Not might, not maybe. He's definitely the Messiah. The Messiah is the one who gathers or unites the exiles of Israel. In the book, The Messiah Text by Raphael Patai on page 321, he explains that one of the daily prayers that is prayed in traditional Judaism, three times a day is a prayer for the coming of the Messiah in the end of the exile or the uniting of the 12 tribes of Israel. The prayer is the 10th prayer of the Amidah known as the standing prayers and the prayer reads as following, blow the great shofar for our freedom and lift up a banner to gather our exiles and gather us from the four corners of the earth. Blessed are you, O Lord, who gathers the banished of your people Israel. And explaining these prayers, Raphael Patai on page 321 states the following, the request for redemption. Now the redemption is the uniting of the 12 tribes of Israel and the Messianic age, which is associated with the coming of the Messiah, are a part of the Amidah or the standing prayers popularly referred to as the 18 benedictions, which together with the Shema or Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4, hear O Israel, is regarded as the most important and significant of the daily Jewish prayers and it's recited three times a day. In the book, A Matter of Return by Raphael Eisenberg on page 130, he explains citing Rabbi Arbabanel that the return of the ten tribes, that is the northern kingdom, that is Ephraim because Ephraim was the leading tribe of the northern kingdom or the house of Joseph or Samaria or alternative names of the northern kingdom, that the return of the ten tribes at the time of the redemption or the messianic era is one of the principles of Jewish faith. And this is quoted from Mashmia Yeshua, the fourth principle of faith. John chapter 10, Yeshua is answering a question of the Pharisees who are Jews at the end of John chapter 9, wherein they ask of him, are we 
blind. Well, that's going to conclude part nine of the series on the subject Yeshua from Genesis to Revelation. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and... Please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.